It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. I'm out walking, walking the dog on a very still autumn day. And that gentle roar you can hear is the River Usk. Some rapids, it's boiling and brown, a very far cry from its gentle, clear waters of summer when we swam here. And it makes me yearn for a bit of warmth and sunshine in summer. So that's what we're going to do today. Pure escapism back to summer. My name is Fergus Collins and I'm the host of The Podcast, the podcast from BBC Country Farm magazine, where we explore nature, history, crafts and traditions, and all things British countryside. So as I said, by the magic of podcast, I'm going to transport you back to August on the coast of North Wales, to a little-known peninsula near Carnarvon, where I was lucky to have a few days to roam a marvellously wild and beautiful place. And here's what I discovered. I'm on the Menai Straits, which separates mainland North Wales from Anglesey. And they're a pretty violent stretch of water, quite narrow at points. And so the tide surges through. Oh, that's a curlew. And then an oyster catcher. And that's a little ruined dock, quayside. And it was once. Um, in its heyday was a place for importing export or exporting slate. So I'm looking across an incredibly flat piece of water. So calm. More more curlies and oyster catchers. I'm looking across mudflats towards um across a bay basically called Vorid Bay. Actually spelt with an F but in Welsh. F's of V's, and this is F O 
RYD Vorid. And it's a tidal bay. And there are mudflats here and dunes, salt marshes, samphire beds. And it's a wild place. A place of waders. There's oyster catchers and curlies here, lots of curlies. A single herring gull is um, sitting atop a rotting post coming out of the water. Several of these rotting posts. Everything is quite decayed here. So um, by a little slipway, which is covered in bladderwrack and other kelpie seaweeds, but bladderwrack it mainly, which is the sort of like fronds, like sort of oak leaves with bubbles on them. Incredible things that have evolved, these plants that have their own air sacs so they can float. And in the shallows here is a small pulsing jellyfish with, um, listen to that, that's the curlew, it's such an exotic sound. lots of them out on the marshes. And yeah, so this jellyfish, it's got a sort of white body inside a wider jelly, uh, like a upturned bowl, mm. and then it's sort of fringed, this upturned bowl is fringed with little brown markings, and then it's got a sort of tentacle body underneath. Mm. There's flies buzzing around. So I'm looking over from this, uh, I'm squelching through salt marsh. I can see the casts of aquatic worms, lugworms, and things like that. Treading over this kelp. And there's uh, some iron tracks that lead down to the water beside the dock here. And some sleepers. So this is obviously some sort of rail for delivering. Cargoes to the waterside. Swallows are. Oh, it's absolutely beautiful scene as these swallows. There's four of them at the moment. Five of them catching flies just over the water, and it's so still. Stiller than a mill, than a mill pond. Here they come. Here they come. And the reflections on this sort of. Well, it's it's a yellowish sky. It's only about eight o'clock in the morning, and it's late August now. I'm looking also at the far end, uh, the far side of um, the bay. You can see the mountains of Western Snowdonia. There's an oyster catcher there. So the sun is coming up over the mountains and creating this sort of haze reflected in the water, and the swallows are flying over that. Just. And the reflections are so beautiful. There are little fish rising as well out in the water. It's a funny time of year. It definitely feels like autumn, really. The swallows gathering here in large numbers. It's a really, really wild place, a place of sanctuary for me to come here after, you know, personally and a massive brown jellyfish. Uh, that is a lion's mane jelly jellyfish. Absolutely massive, like a 
18 inches across the disc and it's oh there's, there's several of them here oh there's loads of them oh these jellyfish have all appeared after the last high tide so yeah this is a place of sanctuary it's a wild wild place that's a meadow pipit you can hear it's a place of pipits swallows wagtails linnets and um it's a magical, magical place. It's a little peninsula south of Carnarvon. And uh, pretty unspoilt, really. Uh, but after so much, I've been reporting on so many challenging and upsetting wildlife and um, environmental stories over the past year. It's lovely to come somewhere where wildlife is utterly utterly ascendant and abundant. So I'm just going to pause. I've reached the top of what is a sort of seawall, gravel bank. And so I'm going to crunch through the gravel a little bit until I reach a little high point. And this winds its way out across, on one side, creeks which fill up at high tide. Creeks and salt marsh and on the other side we've got forehead bay but the shallowest part and it's a forest of samphire just wonderful uh, marsh samphire which is delicious and we've picked I've picked quite a lot for various meals it's a good place for foraging there's also sea beet along the top here abundant amounts of sea beet which is the ancestor of, sort of garden spinach and chard and beetroot even it is the most fantastically delicious vegetable um, I would rate it above asparagus so and you don't need very much of it it's really they're sort of rubbery leaves. Very, each plant has different shaped leaves, as I've found. They're sort of glossy, rubbery leaves. And they are delicious, just wilted in butter. Oh. I'm walking along this bank, gravel bank, and I can see the, uh, the green of these samphire forests. There's the keening of a, of a young herring gull. They're sort of totally insistent. So, and on the on the other side, there's a to my right, to the south. There's this long winding creek, and you can see fish in here. They get trapped at high tide, but they're almost impossible to catch. They're called the grey mullet. Little shoals of grey mullet. Go the swallows low over the grassland. So I'm just going to take a wander out on um, a spit of land. You can hear the curlies. There's a curly up in the air somewhere there. So you can hear a sort of roar of boats. The sound travels across the water so well, so sometimes you get these boats coming and mooring in Vorid Bay, doing a bit of fishing or cleaning their nets or whatever. And there's the old tourist boat that comes out of Carnarvon, which I can also see in the distance uh, to the north 
up the Menai Straits, uh, which looks quite grand from this angle. Can't quite see the castle. Sounds so stressed out, oyster catchers. They're beautiful birds. They've got these long orange beaks and just really dapper black and white. Uh, sort of black wings, white belly. Lovely pied plumage. I can see lots of waders out in the bay here. Bit of bubbling from the curlews there. That's a, just a. And we recently did a. I think I did a top 15, an article for that for our website, countryfile.com. A top 15 of British birdsong. And I included birds like turtle dove, which isn't naturally a song, but considered a songbird, but its purring call is wonderful. But I completely failed to include the curlew. No, the, uh, the bubbling call of the curlew is one of the most evocative, evocative songs of moorlands. Not that one. <laughs> That's the stressed out call of oyster catchers. deserves its place in the top 15. So along this um, along this little ridge, this seawall, there's like rock pipits among the stones there. Yeah, that little core, I think that's a rock pipit rather than a meadow pipit, but there are lots of meadow pipits here as well. There are loads of wildflowers, absolutely loads of wildflowers. Uh, I think it's, there is um, a real favourite of butterflies, which is the... Um, Bird's foot trefoil, little tiny yellow flowers, very low down in the in the grass. Then there are these little white flowers, um, white petals with, but beneath them these sort of purple, swollen sort of throats, I suppose. Uh, it's almost like a little plum beneath the flower, uh, and these are bladder campion. So that's a sort of bladderish type thing, I guess. Again, that's an adapt adaptation for being close to the sea. Sea beet everywhere. It's all going to seed now, but there's still plenty to forage. Just um, to the east of here, you can hear the whine of small aircraft. There's a um, there's a little airport. It's more than an airstrip. It's definitely it's got a control tower, hangars, and all sorts, and a proper extensive runway and you can see helicopters and that's where the Coast Guard's based. Meadow Pipit meeting a rock pipit here. A huge dune ahead of me. So yes there's a little airport so there's a bit of life. It was relatively inoffensive. Cessnas and two-seater planes going up and down the whole time. Phrases of curly song with the herring gulls chuntering away. I'm just going to pause and have a look. There's wild thyme, little tiny purple flowers of wild thyme here among the bird's foot trefoil. 
these really huge yellow flowers, like sort of native sunflowers. Let's see what they are, these sow thistles. Yes, sow thistle of sorts. Great um, yellow flowers, really beautiful. So foraging, yeah, well, fishing has been a... Uh, it's supposed to be an excellent place for fishing, but I failed quite dismally. Lots of yarrow here as well. And um, a small pink flower, I don't know. I think it's common centauri sort of bursts of pink... Uh, pink stars, really. Intense heads and lots of scarlet pimpernel here. The sun is just coming out. It's going to be a super hot day. It's a period of massive heat wave across the UK, although much cooler here on the coast. Again, beautiful sanctuary. And behind all the salt marshes, you suddenly come to. There goes a curly. Yeah, it's just flying over me. Uh, there's sort of really wild coastal grasslands. Um, full of voles. There he goes, calling. Yeah, wild grasslands, full of linnets and big flocks of starlings. There are kestrels, some sparrowhawks and buzzards. Wouldn't be surprised to see things like merlins here. So I'm just walking along the... So it's a spit I'm walking up. Very thin piece of land, but a mound. Almost like a long, thin sand dune running directly north. Oh. And um, it divides Varid Bay. I haven't yet walked to the end of it. In fact, I can see a runner. It's normally uh, only ever me up here. And there's sort of broken causeways, lost roads, roads that just dwindle into the, into the grassland. There's some beautiful... Um, beautiful daisy-like, beautiful, um, there's ragwort here, south thistle, and let's try and work out what this is. Wildflowers here are fantastic. So along this thin piece of land, which obviously was more meaningful once upon a time, there are two little brick buildings, tiny, almost like outdoor privies. I thought they might be um, hides of some description, but there's no view out onto the land, so maybe they're just some sort of protection for... I'm sure there's some information that I can find out. However, there is something really... curlies and swallows. Um, there is something really quite, um, quite creepy here. It's one of the creepiest things I've ever seen um, in terms of wildlife. Uh, first discovered it, I'm not going to get too close, by the smell. But there's this, it's definitely the smell of a dead animal. And as I got close, I thought, oh my goodness, it's a human body. There are these sort of fingers coming out of the, out of the shingle. And I've subsequently learnt, and I didn't get too close, but then I could see there was a sort of hide on it. Uh, it turns out that, talking to one of the locals here, it's a dead seal that was washed up some months ago. Looks pretty uh, decomposed now. Uh, there are lots of fish here, and that's going back to my failed fishing 
experiences. Lots of sea bass and mackerel. And um, yeah, the fish are hard to catch. But all the other fishermen I've met here have had the same issues. But it's fun. But the, uh, yesterday, the day before yesterday, we had an interesting experience, my son and I. We were just putting, getting our rod out for the very first time. And uh, there's a meadow brown butterfly fluttering through the grasses here. And chamomile. Lovely, lovely chamomile. Um, and suddenly we noticed lots of splashing in the water, in the, just by the dock. Like great rounds of splashing. Like something you see on those wildlife films. So I'm just walking through a sort of semi-sandfire bed here. And I can now see the inner part of Vorid Bay, which is a huge expanse, really wild, wild expanse of watery mudflat. Not a lot of people come here. Very far end, I think there's a caravan park. That's, I think there's probably a few dog walkers down that end. So my son and I were just getting out our fishing rod for the very first time. And I was trying to remember all the knots you need to tie on your, tie on your tackle. And uh, there was all the splashing suddenly, in the, just in the little bay outside the dock. And something got really close to shore, and we could see it was fish feeding. And then in the water, we could see millions, well, millions, thousands and thousands of little tiny eels, sand eels, all being attacked by these shoals of mackerel. And we thought, oh, here we go. And actually, the sand eels were jumping onto the shore to escape the, the predators, and they were able to sort of wriggle back in again. You could see these flashes of silver leaping out of the water as the shoals of mackerel came to attack them. It's spectacular. I thought, oh, well, mackerel are notoriously easy to catch. I ran back to the cottage we're staying in and grabbed some mackerel feathers. But by the time I got back, they'd moved just beyond my casting range. I just couldn't get any couldn't get a cast into where they were feeding, but they kept bubbling up. It was, it was a absolutely magnificent. I wish I'd just sat and watched rather than tried to catch them. It would be nice to have mackerel for supper. So I'm walking along a strand line here of whelk eggs, bits of crab, feathers, and mermaid's purses, and a bit of detritus. Not too much litter here doesn't tend to kind of sweep into Forid Bay, but on the outer parts where you can walk along the Minai Straits where I'll be going later. You can see anything from sort of bits of boat, beer barrels, millions of plastic bottles. Lots of cockle shells. I imagine these are quite good cockle beds out here in Forid Bay. Lots of driftwood here. It's a lovely remote spot. So I've now reached almost the, the, the point of this spit. It's not really a promontory, it's just a. There's some gorse here. Some funny little dips in the landscape. 
So there's a sort of gravelly shoreline and then sort of sandy mud flats and little channels where water still flows so the tide is definitely out. So I'm looking what I think is a wall butterfly. It's a brown speckled butterfly. I need to capture it on camera to be sure. It's a butterfly I haven't seen for a very long time. Feeding on ragwort. That's a it's a really beautiful butterfly, so quite speckled with a sort of train tracks of markings along the edge of its wings. Coppery brown in colour. So that wasn't a wool brown. It was a pearl-bordered fritillary, which is a completely new butterfly to me. Uh, that's really exciting. Just feeding on the ragwort. Uh, I'm wading through a sort of grassy hump covered in these beautiful ragworts in the hope of seeing another pearl-bordered fritillary. But I think I just got lucky there. There don't seem to be any other butterflies up here at the moment. It's still quite early, although it's is warm enough for them. There's a small heath butterfly now, flitting, tiny little brown, sort of terracotta colour really. It's among, among the stones here, I don't know where it's heading, it's heading out into the estuary rather than all these lovely flowers. And there's a few bees. Oh gosh, three cormorants looking like dinosaurs. Oh, they're going to take off sadly. Hear the beat of their wings. I surprised them. They're standing on the beach like penguins. Very tall. Oh. Yeah, there's plenty of fish here in this bay because they can't sort of trawl in. There's lots of seaweed. It's a pretty special spot. So yeah, I'm right at the point of this spit of land. Wide open estuary, there's a nature reserve on the other side. Uh, on the north side, the mountain side. Although there are mountains, I can see the mountains of the Clean Peninsula running away to the south. They look really enticing. I haven't climbed any mountains this holiday. I've come across a flower that I don't recognise at all. It has... The flower itself is little stem-like petals. Spikes, I suppose, petals, which are white that go to mauve, then a sort of deep crimson velvety colour. And there's sort of eight or nine of those spikes at the end of a green stem and little tiny green sort of parsley-like leaves. And this is called fine leaf, because it has very fine leaves, maybe. Fumitory or fumitory. There's quite a lot of it just around here. Uh, so I haven't spotted it anywhere else, just at the tip of this um, uh, very pretty, delicate little flower. And you might just not notice it, but I'm sort of in a scanning mode today. And I've got one of those apps that you can take a photo and then it gives you the wrong answer. So you have to take another photo and you have to check it about 20 times and eventually you find uh, something approximating to what it might be and then you have to look that up and finally you can make a decision. So that took me a good 10 minutes <laughs> with a slow internet speed out here as well. But hey, it shouldn't... Um, 
lots of south thistles. This is a dune here. It's a nice sort of sandy bank. I'm on the, I'm on the west side, which is sort of normally where the weather comes from, looking out to the, um, to the Menai Straits. I can see Anglesey and Newburgh. There's so much more rubbish this side, but it's bits of boats, tennis balls, string, twine, bottles. Oh, there's a dead dogfish, which is a little tiny shark, quite freshly dead. Uh, I wonder if it was, a, it was caught by a fisherman and, and dropped over the side, so they're quite leathery looking. Um, long, very long, mottled, uh, with his, can you even see his eyes still, he's got, his mouth's open, he's got his, this sharp dorsal fin of a little shark. Poor little fella, there's lots of those out in the bay, they're quite common. Um, I'm going to walk, there's a more, um, samphire here, walk on the sand a bit. So still. It's incredibly still. It can normally be very, very windy here. And last week it was sort of gale every single day. Fortunately, I wasn't here then. It's always good to hear locals talk of a week of bad weather when you arrive and it's suddenly to turn glorious. But weirdly glorious, it's sort of so hot. Uh, so I'll be spending a lot of time in the sea. There's so much treasure though along here as well. There's so there's interesting shells and driftwood. Obviously the mermaid's purses, which are fantastic and can be dried out. We've got a few at home. Um, so much sea beet. You could feed an army here. Sea beet's often quite hard to find on some coasts. Here it's so common. And every day there's a wildlife discovery. This little port where I'm staying has mountains of slate everywhere and rusty, rotting cranes and davits and various other bits of old industry. And it was a place for where slate would be brought from the would be brought down from the mountains where it had been quarried. And then boated out, Welsh sleep, boated out around the empire. Roofing the empire, so that people say, vast amounts of blood, sweat and tears gone into that. And interestingly here, beside the dock, there's a little Napoleonic fort. So low square of walls with um, cannon emplacements all along the top, embrasures and machiolations to create this sort of... So it's, it's a squat square and inside is a sort of central green garden really, surrounded by little cottages where the garrison would live. I think this was built quite late in the Napoleonic War, possibly even after. It's that sort of time, Napoleonic time, so there's lots of beautiful old cannons 
which looked like they'd just come off a pirate ship. And I've been reading a little bit of history, and it seems that this fort was built part as defence for this vital safari, but also a little bit as a folly. And that's been turned into holiday cottages as well. A really marvellous place to stay. You get a lovely view from the battlements out across the Menai Straits. So the fort is no more than about 80 metres square, less than that, 50 metres square. It's quite small. There's the sound of a curly coming off the marshes. And it's protected by these huge shingle banks, which run for miles. Protect this whole peninsula, little isolated peninsula. Yeah, the walls where I am now are no more than 10 feet high. Flock, a charm of goldfinches up ahead, feeding on knapweeds. Lots and lots of knapweeds here, beautiful. There we go, a tinkling of a meadow brown butterfly. So I'm back looking at uh, Vorid Bay and the tide is just, I think it's coming back in, having got a week of very high tides at the moment. And it means it goes out very far and then comes back in and fills all these salt marshes with um, all the creeks, everything fills up with water, changes the landscape. So last week there are places I could walk, whereas the, that are now regularly underwater. It's a fascinating cast of characters out there at the moment and um, I'm watching a little egret scurry over the salt marsh, a sort of mud flat. I'm actually currently sitting on some jetty steps on this ruined dock just looking out on over the water and uh, I've learned a few things here just in the last few minutes just watching. One is that herons eat crabs. There's a grey heron out there which caught a crab um, which immediately attracted the interest of a great black back gull which I haven't uh, encountered on a podcast before but they are I mean it's supersized seagulls supersized gulls never call them seagulls and um, there are a couple in view at the moment they've got really dark wings they're huge birds bigger than buzzards and um, there's a few other yeah, I'm just looking at it through the through the binoculars so um, it tried it got close to the heron as the heron was trying to manipulate this crab down its gullet and then the heron spread its wings sort of mantled and drove the sort of chunkier but still smaller bird away and the egret's just taking off I've also seen um, a little flock of ring plovers and some golden plovers foraging on the shore here which is a real bonus, lovely, beautiful little birds ring plovers have a little black sort of mascara and a black bib tiny little waders and um, golden plovers still in their breeding plumage which is a sort of mottled gold, I mean they are gold 
wings, uh, sort of wing feathers are quite gold, the upper parts, and then they have this black, as if they've been dipped in a sort of ink or something, and it's stained their chest. So I've learnt that great blackback gulls are afraid of herons, which is a good thing. Um, the other thing I've learnt is that great crested grebes hunt in salt water. There's one out here at the moment. It's quite elusive because it's diving a lot. There must be a lot of fish in this bay because there's a lot of fisher, fisher birds hunting at the moment. There's lots of oyster catchers. Now oh, there are... Uh, the grebe is up. Yeah. Hasn't caught anything, but it's down again straight away. Um, so what else, what else have we got here? There's black-headed gulls already losing their summer plumage, so their black head's going. I think there's a common gull here, which looks a little bit like a sort of slightly neater, tidier, more demure herring gull. Grey wings, snowy white head, yellow beak. But I need to look that up. I'm not very good on my gulls. The other thing I've learnt is that in some of the ruined outbuildings around this dock, there are the swallows are still zip, zipping in the windows and into the eaves, so they must still have nests. Which is amazing because it's about the 20th of August today. I've slightly lost track of the days. Uh, it's funny looking down these steps, jetty steps. There are limpets all the way up, so the limpets kind of rely on these high tides. The high tides come every other week, I'm told. There goes a swallow right now. So that's amazing too. And the other thing is that this morning I watched as the tide went out early this morning and the water drained from, there's a pool outside the kitchen window, saltwater pool, which is filled every day, well topped up every day by the incoming tide. And the channel that fills it up and drains this pool, it doesn't drain it completely, uh, this egret stood in the channel, snow white plumage, black rapier-like bill, really long, surprisingly long bill. Swallows coming right past me. And it just, it was so patient. And eventually, it caught lots of little small things which just gobbled down, I couldn't see what they were, but eventually it caught this large fish, which it took ages and ages to work out how to swallow it. Now I think it was probably a grey mullet. Goodness me, it took half an hour for it to eat it. And it... <laughs> I expected the bird to double in size. Yes, while I was dotting around, I'm going to check out a bird flying over the estuary. Oh, it's just, it's a gull. Too far. Oh, no, no, it's a tern. It's a tern of some description. There's a whole load of them. Terns have these much longer and more elegant wings than gulls. And sort of much more buoyant in flight. Don't seem to have to make so much effort. You know, the curlew's gone, but I can hear them, so they're around. I also discovered some more information about the port. I've taken a boat trip up the Menai Straits. The boat operator did one of those well-rehearsed speeches while guiding us up the straits and um, so the fort was built in the late 18th century 
during the American War of Independence, when apparently American privateers, American privateers would cross the Atlantic and threaten the coasts of Ireland and uh, mainland Great Britain. And so the fort was built to protect the Menai Straits from these essentially very adept seamen from coming up and raiding the, raiding the shores here, taking you know, raiding places like Carnarvon. And um, I don't think it ever really saw any action. But it's still a, a beautiful little imposing little place. It's still, well, it's still got its cannons and occasionally they are fired, I'm told. Well, I hope you enjoyed that escape to the wilds of North Wales and those lovely soundscapes of the coast, curlews, oyster catchers and other wonderful things. When you find somewhere so rich in wildlife, it's so very good for the soul and I was glad I was able to share it with you. Please do leave some feedback for me and, and reviews on whatever podcast provider you use. It makes life a lot easier for us if we know how well the podcast is going down. And you can email me, Fergus Collins, at this address, editor at countryfile.com. We'll be back next week with episode eight, where we follow a modern herbalist along the River Avon in Bristol, looking for autumnal foraging treats and natural cures. Find out more by tuning in next time. So you've been listening to the BBC Country Farm magazine podcast, produced by Jack Bateman. Thank you so much for listening, and goodbye for now.